After a bizarre end to a crazy trilogy, Mike Bond joins us here live to discuss some of the craziness uh, from UFC 264, McGregor versus Dustin Poirier 3. Mike, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me, and especially on such a big card. I mean, what, you couldn't get anyone better for this type of event or what? Saving you for the special <laughs> events, man. You know, you're, 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 you are the Conor McGregor of uh, what suburb do you live in there in Canada? Uh, Toronto, downtown Toronto. Is that I'm a new sure suburb? Other media it's person. like me and Drake are on the same level. <laughs> I, I, parts, yeah, you know? exactly. Drake was on <laughs> the same level. Yeah, so you're the Conor McGregor of uh, that that street there. So it was good to have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> where, where was Drake tonight? I didn't see him in like the 12 million uh, celebrities that we got. He was cursing from afar. He saw Conor was fighting and he said, you know, I'm just going to put the curse out via... I don't know, telepathy. And uh, boy, did the curse work, man, because what a what a weird ending to UFC 264. I got to be honest, like when this fight was first announced, I was like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm semi-curious. But as the fight week rolled in, man, I was dying for this fight. I felt like I was, I was sweating. We get that, you know, that fan excitement when the fight starts. And then it just, it felt so anticlimactic. Although, got to give credit to, obviously, your boy. He, he's, he's your long-lost separated brother, right? Dustin Poirier, Mike, you and him <laughs> go back a long ways putting on a great performance and then ultimately just a weird finish at the end. What was your immediate reaction when you saw the way it played out? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously like right away a little bit of confusion because it seemed like obviously Dustin was mauling him towards the end of that round. And it's like, oh, well, like it almost felt like Herb Dean could have stepped in there with like two seconds left, but he mm -hmm. gave Connor the leash. And I was like, wow, Connor kind of got saved at the end of that round. And then you see his ankle and just that whole thing unfold. And it's just like, wow. Uh, obviously, this fight isn't going to continue and then officially gets waved off. So it was just a lot of chaos there and obviously a little disappointment. Um, I felt that fight, as I'm sure many people did, was trending strongly towards Dustin Poirier's direction. I mean, I feel like probably was going to get that second round TKO coming up. Like Connor was getting pretty beat up on the ground and I'm sure he would have been a little more tired going into that second frame, all that kind of stuff. So um, I guess it was just kind of a, an earlier conclusion to what was supposed to happen. And I'm sure we'll get into it. It leaves Conor McGregor with this, this big out of like, you know, I didn't really lose this fight. Yeah, a lot to discuss here and a lot to unpack. And before we even get to the ghillie that uh, Conor McGregor tried to jump on Dustin Poirier. I mean, out of everyone, Dustin the, the Poirier. The goal on him to do that I against mean, Dustin Poirier of all exactly. people, the Gilly jumping master. It's like taking on Tai Two of us in a shoey competition <laughs> after a fight. It's not to be done. Um, let's talk about yeah. the start of the fight there. Conor McGregor comes out, starts going heavy on the leg kicks. He's got a little bounce in him, and we see a return to the older Conor McGregor that uses a lot of kicks. What was your reaction to to the beginning of that fight and to the game plan that Conor McGregor was trying to implement and then also how Dustin was able to cope with it. Yeah, I thought it was smart for Conor. I mean, he needed to mix it up. He couldn't just come in in the boxing stance and do what he did in the last fight because Dustin would have just chewed him up. And I think he did, I guess, what he had to do in that opening minutes and that's just go balls to the walls. And you saw some of the haymakers he was throwing. Um, some of the kicks were definitely taking their effect, but... If you believe Dustin Poirier, maybe they took too much of a, an effect because it seems like he thinks Connor hurt himself with the aggressiveness of those kicks and one that he checked early on. So, I mean, I guess we don't really will ever know exactly where the truth lies in that part of it, whether Dustin's theory is true there. But I thought Connor, I guess, did what he probably needed to do. I mean, you can play this fight out a hundred times over and they can make all the adjustments they want. But my 
analysis of it will always be Conor McGregor needs to finish Dustin Poirier in like seven, eight minutes. You know, that's how he's going to get it done. Um, Dustin, as I said, coming in, he can win this fight by knockout, submission, or decision. But I never saw Conor having any other path to victory besides a knockout. So he needed to try to go in there and zip Dustin as much as he could. He landed a couple good shots. But as we've seen with Dustin Poirier over and over at lightweight, He's not the same man that we saw, you know, Michael Johnson knockout aside at 145, taking some of those shots, especially in the first Connor fight. So uh, Dustin weathered the storm like he did the first fight. And then it really just started to go one way direction when Connor made a inexplicably poor fight IQ choice of mm. dropping for that guillotine. And then, you know, it seemed like the, the end was there, obviously, you know, a freak injury notwithstanding. Yeah. And it looked like Connor was getting a little bit tired before then anyway. Um, I don't know whether it's the amount of kicks that he was throwing. Obviously, like those spinning attacks are really good from Connor because it kind of works opponents to where he wants them to go. But he came out so guns blazing. Um, and I wonder if that sort of took a toll on him. I wonder if that was an error on his part. He seemed so emotional. Uh, who would have thought that Connor would be the emotional one as opposed <laughs> to Dustin Poirier trying to squeeze at any last minute uh, moment of uh, opportunities for, for mind games, trying to get at Dustin, you know, during the announcements and when he got in the cage and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Connor got tired. Dustin hurt him on the feet and then Connor jumped for the guillotine. Why do you think he did that? I know obviously Max Kellerman and Teddy Atlas, who, by the way, are both phenomenal in their own right, but it was just kind of bizarre seeing those guys on the analyst yeah. panel while, you know, Bisping and Dominic Cruz just sitting outside <laughs> waiting like, what about us? Are we chopped liver well, here? What do they know? You know, only former UFC champions. Yeah, I know. It's not like they have any experience, but... Why do you, I know Max Kellerman was saying, look, it, maybe it's a case where Conor McGregor kind of thought that, you know, he, he couldn't win and he kind of jumped on it as like a last ditch effort. What did you make of that guillotine? Such a bizarre seeming strategy against the likes of uh, Dustin Poirier. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of hard pressed to believe that that's the moment he was like looking for an out or something. I feel like at that point, even though, you know, he was up against the fence and stuff, like I didn't feel like he was out of that fight at any point there, like in that particular moment. So uh, I don't think Connor was like, you know, using that as a, a way to get to the ground or quit or whatever. I mean, I can really only bring it down to ego. Maybe that like he's thinks, you know, in his own Conor McGregor mind that like, yeah, I'm going to submit Dustin Poirier with a guillotine, you know, the move he likes to talk so much about. And it's obviously hilariously ironic after he brings up, uh, you know, that quote with the aforementioned Stephen A. Smith about, uh, you know, it's not a, a real result unless it's a knockout. And he's here he is trying to submit Dustin in the first round. So that was kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's just heat of the moment poor you know, thinking that maybe he, he had something that he didn't and made a poor fight IQ decision. I mean, I can't really chalk it up to, to more than that without actually having Connor explain it himself. Mm. And I wonder if, I know Dustin thinks he hurt that shit early on when he checked a kick. I wonder if maybe he knew one of his legs was compromised and wanted to take a break from standing up. And if down the track, that's what he talks about. But I'm curious, yeah. what, what did you make of that ground battle between Dustin and Connor? I mean, Dustin was able to really hurt Connor at certain parts of those exchanges. Connor was throwing some crazy up kicks at certain points as well. And Dustin copped a couple of those. There was a lot of back and forth. Um, Connor didn't really try to get up off the ground. He kind of fought from his guard as well, which I found to be very interesting. And it kind of looked like he tried to throw up a few submissions, which is also an interesting choice as well. What do you think was sort of going through his mind after that, that guillotine failed? And how do you assess what happened afterwards? Yeah, I think maybe it's just a little bit of what you said there. I mean, 
maybe his leg was injured and he needed to have that break. I mean, again, without talking to the guy, it's kind of hard to know exactly, but that seems like a pretty good theory to me. I mean, if we're going with what Dustin said and he checked the leg kick early on and hurt Connor, and maybe when Connor was pressed up against the fence there, he decided to drop for that guillotine. And then when he's on the bottom after Poirier escapes, he doesn't have the power in his leg or whatever the case may be to uh, kick off and get up or do whatever uh, ground tactics you would try to implement in that scenario. And that led to him getting more or less mauled on the ground in kind of a, a Habib-esque fashion there. So, I mean, that theory makes sense to me. Like, he didn't get up on his own. Dustin let him up, and then the injury happened, like, moments thereafter. So, as we're kind of piecing together all these little things here, <laughs> I mean, it seems like we're bringing together a pretty solid, uh, solid theory or narrative on how all this tactics and how all these choices may string together. That's right. We're like a uh, grizzled detectives in like a film noir wow. who, who live in uh, you know, single bed apartments near the train tracks. <laughs> it's like, it's, it was such a freak accident. Like you, you see the kick that Connor lands and Dustin does point to it. Um, so I, I wonder how much that had to do with it. I wonder if it's a case also not making excuses for Connor, but I wonder if he was just, you know, slamming those kicks all training camp and maybe there was some kind of weakness in his bone when he, when he threw the punch and they both kind of miss and then Connor stepped back. It was like when he threw that punch, you see his leg kind of buckle a little bit. And then when he stepped back on it, it almost kind of finishes the job. Um, I wonder, and by all, by all means, feel free to interrupt me and, and go in with your own theories, but I wonder... Is this a better result for Connor that he lost in this fashion as opposed to, say, a clean loss? Let's say Dustin knocked him out like the second fight. It would have been pretty bad for Connor. Is this, in a in a weird, strange way, even though it may affect his career worse down the line, is this somewhat of a better result? Because you can already see Connor trying to write the narrative and say, you know, hey, he didn't beat me, I beat myself. Yeah, I mean, one million percent. You look at like the comments on the the clips of Dustin from the press conference or Dana or whatever. They're saying like, you know, Dustin did win fair. And I guess, you know, not trying to put too much stock into, uh, you know, like X user who has no profile pic on Twitter, who's just commenting. But um, that's kind of the narrative where these things kind of start to build up from the ground up. So, um, yeah, I mean, that all kind of makes sense to me. He, uh, I think, started it the minute the fight ended when he was doing that weird sit down joe rogan cuddled up to him next to the octagon fence interview there um and, you know he was saying this wasn't legit you see him from like the second the fight ends he's yelling at the referee and the commission like it's doctor stoppage tko like not knockout and stuff so like you can tell that it's all starting right there and the fact we had dana white come to the press conference and say the fight wasn't finished like this isn't how you know the fight ended so like we're already there, it feels like. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of questions around Connor. Like, how is he going to recover from this? Um, will this be the moment that he kind of decides, like, you know, doing this type of rehab isn't worth it to actually come back and fight, get in a training camp? You know, I got all the money in the world. Maybe that's kind of where, where it clicks in and realizes. But in my gut, I feel like he's not going to want to have this being, you know, his last image in the cage being stretchered out uh, of the octagon. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to build the narrative as much as he possibly can. And assuming this isn't like a serious long-term injury, like bad ligament damage, et cetera, et cetera, where he's just like not physically the same ever again um, in terms of a loss. I mean, I don't know how you could chalk it up much better, like maybe a controversial decision or something like that, which as I said earlier, I didn't really see uh, a scenario where Conor McGregor was coming out of five rounds in this fight without being finished, let alone 
having an argument to win a decision. So yeah, uh, per perfect scenario for him, assuming assuming the physical side isn't um, you know altering for the long term forever. And I think uh, it's it's true as well, Cass. I agree with you. I think, and you guys, that I think that, you know, the way it played out is better than him, like, getting knocked out in the second round. But one of the things that I was a little bit like, man, because Conor McGregor, he usually reads the room really well. And here you have a guy who just broke his leg, who arguably, in a lot of fans' eyes, just got beat up by Dustin Poirier. And he's yelling things about the guy's wife. He, he's carrying on, right? And you go, if you want to play, if you want to kind of play the warrior card here, you get down on the ground, you go, you know, fair credit to Dustin, I'll be back. And all the fans are like, hey, we want to see that fourth fight, right? When you're sitting there and you just had a guy put on that performance against you and you're yelling all this stuff about his wife, I don't know, I want, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Does it sort of take away from the situation a little bit? I feel like a lot of fans are a little bit like turned off by those comments and, and the stuff that he was saying in that octagon right after that leg just got hurt. Just quickly before you go, Mike, it kind of reminded yeah. me of the Habib post-fight scene. Like, obviously not to that extent. That was just madness. But, like, same arena, um, you know, Connor losing pretty clearly and then, you know, s still trying to kind of come out as if, like, you know, I didn't really lose. I kind of mm. came out on top. You know, you see Connor's analysis of that night against Khabib. And it was like, you know, I, I hit his brother, his cousin, and I got the last punch in. Therefore, I won the night. And now Connor's saying, like, we'll do it in the parking lot if need be. And it's like, dude, you can't even stand right now. Mm. Like, maybe this isn't the right way to go about it. And then, obviously, like, you know, bringing uh, Dustin's wife into it. What did you make of it, Bon? Yeah, um... It was, I mean, pretty lame and, you know, unclassy by him. And, we, and the thing is, it's like it undoes a lot of the, the good that Connor's done. I mean, we could obviously talk about for hours about the negative elements that he's kind of put up for himself, both inside the cage and out. But the one thing I've noticed from him, at least, you know, following the first Nate Diaz fight, uh, following the last Dustin fight when he comes to the press conference. Like, he handles it pretty well, yeah. gives respect, says, I'm going to make these changes. Like, obviously, the Habib thing was such so much hate involved and whatnot. So, like, I understand, you know, we didn't get a post-fight press conference with him because he was, you know, talking to police about getting uh, pummeled in the cage by Habib's teammates and stuff. But I imagine he probably would have not handled it so well that night. But at least from what we've seen, like, the previous Poirier fight, the first Diaz fight, he came and was classy and, you know, said all these things. And I was like, well, like for all the negative about Conor McGregor, he, uh, you know, shows up and he'll face the music, whether it's good or bad, and especially after the Diaz fight where we had like the Ronda Rousey thing the month before, way back when, and she handled her loss so poorly. And then we had Conor come in and handle it so well. And you're like, look at the paradox between at the time, who are the two biggest active superstars in the sport. And uh, he's just <laughs> come a very long negative way from that. I'm, I guess trying to make up my mind whether we give him a slight mulligan. I mean, the man's sitting in the cage with a broken leg and bleeding out of a, the side of his head and I'm sure isn't a lot of pain. Emotions are running high. The first time he's lost back-to-back -back fights in his career, this was pivotal for him. It wasn't just a loss. It was, you know, like a, a damage-inducing loss with this weird injury and stuff that he has. So, like, emotions were obviously running high, but... He was clearly conscious of what he was saying in the moment. I mean, he went pretty specific on Dustin's wife calling you know, her a hoe and all these different things that were just like, bro, come, come on. So, yeah, it was just like on one hand from what we've been covering the sport so long, you guys know, like nothing that comes out of Conor McGregor's mouth is probably a surprise at this point. But 
Um, obviously, you wish, especially on such a big stage, however many million people ordered this pay-per-view, uh, he handled it with, with a little more class. But you're going to have the one side of it, who I said off the top, um, this is going to induce all the Conor McGregor fans and the people on his side to saying Dustin didn't really win. He'll be back, you know, champ, champ for life, whatever you want to say. Um, and then the other side will be like, wow, he's classy. I'd love to see Dustin kick his ass again. So I guess if you're Conor and you're trying to build momentum towards the fourth fight, maybe not the worst strategy in the world. Yeah, maybe. But it's also like. I think a lot of fans were just a bit puzzled. Like, what does he mean about this wife? You know, like when he was doing the press conference and he's like, your wife's your husband or your husband's your wife. And he's trying to yeah. get these chants going. And I think people are just genuinely confused because it's like, you know, like you're you're a married dude with a family as well. And you're saying this stuff about another guy's wife and all this stuff. And I'm just curious, Mike, because we've never really seen Conor McGregor have a bad lead up to a fight in his career. If you think about it, trash talk wise, like the Khabib thing was very controversial. And it got pretty mm -hmm. full on. But would you say that the lead up to this fight, the press conference was a bit strange. Like a lot of fans feel like he almost might have lost it. Dustin had some good zingers in there. Then you had the post fight chat here. Um, he was very, very full on in some of the interviews. Do you think he? this was maybe the first lead up to a fight where Conor McGregor kind of missed the boat a little bit with the trash talk? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was interesting because... He didn't do much media. I mean, I did this uh, Rolling Stone Q&A with him on like the Tuesday of fight week and it was over email and you know, who knows if he even said those quotes he gave to me or if it was like something from his team. But so we didn't get a ton, <laughs> we didn't get a ton of him. But the first fight week interview was with Oscar Willis of the Mac Life. Gosh. And you see him. That's like four minutes. It was, in my opinion, like pretty perfect. Yes, he said those very bold words you know i'm gonna put him out in a stretcher which is you know hilariously ironic when he's the one who got taken out on a stretcher um but i was like wow like this is intense and for a moment i was like wow like this could be kind of concerning for dustin but then you see him get into his subsequent interviews the following day where you know where he's talking to ariel hawani bt sports aaron bronstetter pretty much you know every other outlet that he spoke with and it's just like oh like it got very desensitized to his words pretty quickly. And I was like, oh, like the luster that I felt based off that one interview with Oscar, which I thought was great. Um, you know, the Stephen A. Smith one, too, I thought was solid. But it was just that like, was good you know, as well. Stephen grilled him. Yeah, I, you know, all respect to him. I thought that was a solid interview. He obviously, you know, came at it from an angle where he didn't give Connor like the most respect in terms of like, I'm not going to let you get away with just saying mm. some grabby quote i'm gonna actually push you for the answer to the question that i actually asked so mm -hmm. uh fair play on that but again like even with that it just all became a lot of noise and i was like i mean who is he trying to convince himself or trying to convince us and it's uh, like he was going off a script a little bit in his mind right like yeah. it, it kind of felt like the oscar interview was really good but like you meant and the um stephen a smith interview is really good for those reasons that you mentioned but it did kind of feel like you were watching a guy just go through the same sort of routine over and over with the other interviews like you almost felt like when i when i watch one of these i've seen all of them like there's nothing new about it like it's almost the same quote over and over sometimes 100% no I have a friend I was actually talking to uh today who I went to lunch with he's like I guess you'd call him as a casual but he actually lives here in Toronto from Ireland 
And uh, he said he watched like all of Connor's interviews back to back to back on whatever day, Wednesday or Thursday. And he was like, yeah, like it was just came to the point. You watch the one, you watch them all. Um, so I guess you can make of that what you will. Like, I get it. That's most pre-fight interviews with fighters when they're forced to go through this like fight week ringer. There's not like a massive distinction. So like whatever on that front. But to me, the more significant thing was when he got face to face with Dustin at the press conference, you know, like the Jolie's wife thing just reeked of desperation, the kick during the face off mm. reeked of desperation. Mm -hmm. So again, like, was he trying to, it was clear, very clear, even before this fight week hit and going back to the last one that Dustin wasn't going to get flustered by the stuff. And, uh, so I guess it was more for Connor than for anyone else. And if that's what he feels got him into the right mindset, then, uh, I guess cool for him. But to me, as the fight week was going on, it was like, wow, Connor is going all in on this. He says, and again, you know, the way the fight ended kind of unreeled some of this, but he says how it's the best training camp of his life. You know, he distanced himself from his family. Uh, you know, he did this thing, he did that thing. Like there's, there's no excuses the way I felt coming into this from everything he said, he invested a hundred percent of his eggs into this basket for winning this third fight. And, uh, you know, under normal circumstances, if you just won, lost the fight clean, I'd be like, wow, this was a, a big hit to kind of who Conor McGregor is. But now he has this door open and he can say all these different things. So it kind of undoes some of that. But that's how I felt as the fight we was going, that he's just saying whether it's for, for him or for somebody else, but he's like the way he's framing this fight, it's almost all or nothing. Yeah, well, with the Aldo beat lead up, I feel like he was trying to sell the public on buying the fight. With this one, I feel like he was trying to sell himself on the idea that he can win the fight. Um, do you want to see a fourth fight, Bond? Like, uh, I keep referring to you as Bond, as if you're James Bond or something, but I, I can't help it. I'm in too deep. Bond, Mike Bond. No, dude, uh, that's actually funny because, like, everyone in high school and in university, like, no one called me Mike. It was just Bond. It just sounds so, good. Uh, it actually makes me feel like I'm at home with you guys. So I'm very comfortable. <laughs> 007, but, um, Mike Bond. But, yeah, like, you know, I know Dana is saying that we're going to see a fourth fight and, you know, Dustin is saying, yeah, in the cage or out of the cage, but, like, I kind of feel like, yeah, it wasn't a definitive ending, but like you said, it, it did feel like that Dustin finish was probably coming in the next round. It seemed like Connor was running out of steam. Um, I, I almost feel like I've, I've gotten enough of what these two guys can bring when they share a cage together. Do you, are you interested in a fourth fight at all? Um, like from a viewer and competition and sake of the lightweight division pecking order, that kind of thing perspective. No, not, not, not immediately. Um, I just mean in general, like obviously Dustin's yeah, going to fight. No, for, like, yeah. Of course. No, like even if it's like a year down the line and, uh, you know, Dustin loses to Charles Albert or something like that. And then it kind of lines up like that, or maybe beats him. And he said at the press conference, Connor would have to get a win. He's not going to beat Oliver and give him a title shot. So we'll see what happens with all that. But, um, I guess if I, maybe saying this from like a personal perspective as someone who has become close with Dustin Poirier over the years, that's the only reason I'd want to see it. So this man can get paid like crazy again. And we know what a class act Dustin Poirier is and what, uh, you know, how he's truly one of the positive faces of the sport. So, um, I would gladly endure another Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier fight just so, uh, you know, he can be further set up for his personal future and his family and all that stuff. But, um, you know, outside of that, like not really, there's nothing that leads to me to believe I was pretty confident coming off the last fight that this was going to be Dustin's. I picked him, um, all like the stuff that came into the very first fight with them 
had subsided in terms of like the the mental elements and then Dustin Poirier just knocked this man out five months ago right in front of him you know laying down in the canvas so like his confidence was all there so I felt pretty good about him going into this fight if you're talking about a fourth fight where he knows he's beat him twice um, I'm sure Conor McGregor, even if he has the absolute greatest rehabilitation process of all time, works with the the best people out there, et cetera, et cetera, thinks he's back to 100%. There's no way he doesn't get in there again, even more deteriorated than he was maybe in this fight. Like, is he going to be reluctant to kick with that leg? How is he going to take mm. kicks with that leg? There's a lot of things that uh, would be Is the bounce ever going to come back? Yeah, I mean, you just don't know. Like, we're obviously doing a lot of speculation here because it's so, so fresh. But, like, ugh. like Conor McGregor almost against anyone at this point is, is a little concerning in terms mm -hmm. of, like, the top fighters. So, yeah, I mean, like, a fourth fight, it's kind of one of these ones that's in their back pocket now, like a third Diaz fight. Uh, you know, Dustin drops a couple. Conor wins one, loses one. They could do it a couple years down the line. But, like, in terms of right now, I want to see Dustin Poirier fighting for that lightweight title. Uh, you know, if he beats Charles Oliveira, I'm sure there's like a, a Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, et cetera, et cetera, type of guys. Uh, I'd like to see some order restored there. And, um, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see what the future holds for Conor McGregor. If he's like, you know, if he's in condition to even do this in the next while here. Mm. The UFC re-signs Diego Sanchez, Conor McGregor versus Diego Sanchez, oh, yeah. and then he's fighting Dustin Poirier for the lightweight title <laughs> of the world. You, I mean, I you joke, fight. but it's written in the war room right now at the UFC <laughs> HQ. I did. It might be. I mean, the fight I do, and I don't know if we were going to talk about this for Conor, is uh, you know, pre-injury, I guess. I thought the RDA one made all the sense in the world just from the little weigh-in spat, their history. Mm -hmm. um, RDA, you know, threw some trips at him saying, you made fun of me for hurting my leg and you know, took a photo of him in the splint. So... There's some heat there. I think that's a that's an interesting fight. Um, yeah, I mean, we know we don't have to go over everything that Connor has open to him. It's just, I guess, more so many questions about his health at this point and what this is going to mean for his like desire and timeline to fight. Because this guy turns 33 in what four days? What a terrible birthday that's going to be for him. But um, like, you know, like just just you get back by the time he's 34. Like that feels kind of old for Connor McGregor. It's just it's just craziness. This like complicates things a lot for uh you know what he means to the sport but you know we're used to conor mcgregor not being around kind of at this point he's had you know, three fights in the last five years so um you know the ufc will go on without him things will happen and if he gets back to health and being ready to fight i do definitely think a fourth fight is like one of the many options for him but i would not place it near the top of my list right now yeah very dangerous and by the way Dangerous because of the fact that you have a, a guy who's like a billionaire sitting around with a broken leg. And once he can't train, what will happen? We've seen Conor McGregor sort of disappear before and just go off. I don't think he can stomp anyone's cell phone with that foot now. Yeah. <laughs> All the cell phones are safe at the after party if it still happens, but at the hospital. But I was going to say that it's going to be interesting, though, to see if he can keep his motivation. I mean, this guy is super rich, has a million things going on. And will he be able to get back on path to come back and fight Dustin again? Where will he be mentally? But my big question to you is, Mike, and this is a lot of people sort of wondering this on social media. I want to get your take. Is this the official end of the McGregor era or is there still some left to go? 
I mean, I guess depends what context you want to put it in. This is something I also said in some interviews leading up to this fight, which I think is, you know, even more particular to emphasize now. I thought this fight for me, everyone asked, I'm sure you guys talked about it and got asked about it, like, what does this fight mean for Conor McGregor's legacy? They talked about it like 12 million times on the broadcast as well, <laughs> uh, what, you know, a win or a loss would mean. But for me, um, I've always thought, and there's no denying Conor McGregor, especially in his prime, was insanely talented. He broke barriers, you know, the two titles and two divisions thing, being the first to do so was incredible. Just that run from like 20, early 2015 to mid 2016 was like one of the greatest times in the history of the sport to cover from, you know, an entertainment side, from a traffic and like attention standpoint, uh, you know, looking at from the media element. But like, to me, Connor never really proved himself as like an all-time great. Like if I asked you guys to list your 10 or 15 best fighters from like skill in MMA history, would Conor McGregor be in there? He wouldn't for me. So like for me, this fight coming in was if he wins this, he starts to creep towards that conversation again. And like, you know, he gets the title fight against Oliveira. He wins that. Then like it's a different ball game. He's a guy who, you know, recon the mountain, all this stuff that kind of comes into being like a two time UFC champ. So I think that would have changed things. But now that he lost this fight, I think the Conor McGregor title conversation, unless he, you know, backdoors his way into some sort of uh, fight along the way here that he doesn't deserve. Um, like the title conversation is over. So to me, like the nail is kind of in the coffin of that. If someone asked me who are the best fighters in MMA history, I will not say Conor McGregor. But if you ask me who are the most significant fighters in MMA history, I'll gladly say Conor McGregor because he's definitely there from what he's done. So in that sense is the like elite Conor McGregor championship conversation. Conor McGregor is that era over for sure is the era of his career over. I think that's to be determined depending on the nature and the recovery of this injury, because I think there's, you know, still a lot of fights out there for him. We want to see him fight Nate Diaz again. We'd like to see Jorge Masvidal. List goes on and on. So RDA. Um, so there's there's a lot of fights there, but I just don't feel like, uh, you know, anyone who brings up Conor McGregor as like a legitimate lightweight contender right now is uh, talking out of the side of their mouth. Mm. It's one of those things as well where we thought we'd get a run out of him. We thought he'd be back and sort of do these back-to-back back fights and have a season. And stuff just keeps popping up and getting in the way. And here we go. This is a significant injury. He's going to be out for quite a while. He's getting a bit older. Who knows what the future is going to look like. Just but just quickly, as- before you move on, Dennis, isn't it funny how him and Anderson kind of sharing similar injuries, but like there's a huge age difference between him and Anderson. They're from different eras, and yet their, their runs are, in a way, ending at a similar time. I know Anderson's a lot further down. He's like out of MMA, basically. But you kind of get a similar feeling from Connor that, you know, his best days are behind him. So you're saying Anderson Silva versus Conor McGregor in a boxing match? Hey, man. It's going to happen in like some Tijuana <laughs> jungle or something. 100%, man. Unless he wants to take Jake Paul's $23 to box him. Then yeah. <laughs> 100%, man. Uh, well, you mentioned $23. If you do have a few couple of bucks and some spare change laying around, uh, it can dramatically change your life. If you're looking in your drawers thinking, my God, there's a forest in there. I need to do something about it. Get the Lawnmower 3.0, the best grooming tool on the market. It'll change your life, make you more streamlined, make you more aerodynamic. It'll improve your dating life. 
for yourself, confidence, just everything with its skin-safe technology. Never cut your balls ever, ever again. You think Conor McGregor's leg was mangled today? Think about what a blunt razor could do to your balls. <laughs> Don't do that. Avoid that. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. And of course, they've got other great products on the site. Um, things to help you smell good, nice and clean. Keep everything from your balls to your feet clean. And be the best man you can be with uh, the Lawnmower 3.0. And of course, the 20% off discount. Who doesn't want to save money? Save 20% with the code SUBMISSION. And uh, keep your beans smooth. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, Cast Manscaped is the place to go. And how did you guys go this weekend, by the way, with making some serious money on the fights? Because there's only one place to go if you want to make that real cash, and that is with my bookie. If you guys didn't get a chance to yet, make sure to go on there and sign up with promo code SUBMISSION. Get that bonus deposit of up to $1,000 and uh, make that wallet a little bit thicker for that big time at the end of the year where you got to buy those Christmas presents for the family and all that other stuff that you love, big screen TVs, fast cars, even faster women. Make sure to go to my bookie right now. Use that uh, promo code submission. Get that bonus bet of up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. But dude, one guy that definitely had a good night in the office, and I want to wrap on this, Mike, is uh, Tai Tuvasa. I mean, what a great performance from him. He has a huge fan base down here in Australia. He's someone who, if you ask a lot of the Aussie fighters, who's your favorite dude on the roster? Tai Tuivasa comes to mind. He's just an absolute character. And here he is. He gets this great win over Greg Hardy, and he's able to stop him. Someone who fans don't feel very strongly about and kind of wanted to see get that loss in the octagon the way that it went down. How big of a night do you think this was for Tai? How many more fans do you think he gets from this and what do you make of the position that he's at in his career right now by the way this is a guy that's saying in his future fights he's going to be training with dc at aka and we all mm -hmm. know those are some very important areas for him to cover if he wants to sort of make it to that title picture yeah i mean what a this guy is such a legend i mean if i had any beers left if i didn't finish them all i might do my first ever shoe right oh, conveniently mean? there's not any here so damn it bad. Um, maybe, maybe next time but yeah, dude, like what what a night for him. That was just pure entertainment from beginning to end. Him coming into the cage, walking out to freaking Spice Girls, and then, you know, puts on that performance. Then, like, I don't even know how many shoeies he took on the way out of the cage, taking one literally inside the octagon. That was amazing how quick mm -hmm. they got that to him at that point. Like, I thought it was just such a great performance. I mean, if we're being honest, like, do I consider Tai Tuivasa right now one of the best heavyweights in the world no i mean but is he one of the most entertaining guys in this division and someone that every single time he fights do i want to see his pre-fight interviews what he does in the cage what he walks out to the post fight yeah like he's that guy to me i think doing it on this card on this platform against greg hardy who like you said is a is a pretty big villain in a lot of people's eyes um just such a great night for him i mean you couldn't ask for anything better um, yeah, it was just, it was so good. And I think the, the future's bright for him. He went through that rough patch there where he lost three in a row and you're like, uh, eh, is this guy like just going to be the fun fight guy? And, uh, maybe he is to a degree, but like Greg Hardy with his stature is a good win for him. And this sets him up for, you know, some more good fights. Just put him, put him in bangers, man. Cause this, this hmm. is what we want to see. We don't want to see him fight, you know, Curtis blades or something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think the thing about Ty that makes him so relatable is you've been around him and we have as well, is the fact that this guy is legit. You know, they announce him as a street fighter and he is, you just feel it when you speak to him. He doesn't have anything to prove when he starts the media days. He's like the opposite of a lot of the trash talkers. He goes out there and he's just himself. 
He looks away in the stare downs, yet he's one of the sort of most scary guys that you can run into from the roster. You would never want to make him angry. So the shoeys, the fact that his personality is so different and he's representing Australia in such a big way, I think uh, only big things to come for Tai Tuvasa. But speaking of big things, how could you go past this man right here? Mikey Bon, you can follow him at Mike Bon MMA and uh, find him near Drake's house over there in Toronto. Two of the <laughs> biggest things coming from the area. <laughs> we're like, dude, we're lucky that we got number one. Drake, Drake doesn't belong in this show. I mean, he is, I think, just like coming it up in California anyways. He's kind of left us with our uh, border issues and stuff. So, you know, F him. <laughs>